five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. on the internet. All right. Jenna, also known as a squirrel, that's a capital A-S-Q-I-R-L. You can find her on YouTube, and I'll make sure that I put the the link to her YouTube channel uh, in the show notes. So kind of an interesting thing we got going on here today, right? We have Misaki coming on, and we're dealing with hard assets, soft assets, and, 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 and kind of the Scorpio. We're in the south node there with Misaki. Then we bring Jenna on, and she's talking about biochar, which is, you know, earth mass, right? Trees, branches, the stuff that's Taurin, right? Taurus, earth-related, and putting heat to it and transforming it and having an alchemical relationship with this these gifts that we have here and then applying them and reinvesting in our environment. And even, you know, there, I had those pages up there. There are people that are making money off of selling biochar. So if you have any kind of inclination or desire to capitalize on a really probably low overhead, low cost kind of operation, do it yourself, play with it, get a chipper, micronize it, Sell it locally. You've got farmer's market season coming up here. I'm, I'm sure people would love to buy some bunny because we do have seasonal planting and some areas have a longer growing season than others. And I think biochar would be, you know, it'd be kind of a cool thing. If you're in between jobs, you don't want to work for somebody else. There you go. It's out there. It's available. And uh, if you're motivated, you might have you might have a new cottage industry, you might have a new career path waiting for it. Now I could tell you know I could I didn't want to say this when she was on because I didn't want to bring the whole thing down, but I could easily see well we're gonna have a ban on burns because those those burns are bad for the environment. So then what do you do? Well, do you see those kilns? Like I know it's an investment. But they have those massive kilns where you can do pretty much what they're doing, but it wouldn't be an open burn. And maybe you could do some of it beneath the surface, and maybe that's a whole other thing. You can kind of get around uh, an open burn. We're going to have to learn some of these hacks because as the supply chain begins to break down, There's more and more impediments that the Biden administration, uh, not just the Biden administration, but we're talking WEF. This is a global thing now, right? It's global. But it's going to hit us here the hardest because 
they want Americans to feel the pain. It's time to feel the pain. It's time to move you out of your relative wealth and abundance and into a new form of austerity. And they're 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 playing they're playing Robin Hood here, right? It, 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 it's got to be some kind of a weird, like some kind of a weird alchemy that's related to like the philosophy of some kind of a lodge, right? We're going to, we're going to steal from the rich and we're going to give to the poor. I mean, that's kind of what's going on in some ways, although there's a lot of giving to the rich at the same time too. Right. But look at the baby formula thing again, that's coming right into the true node in Taurus and the South node in Scorpio. I talked about this yesterday on my show where you look at Taurus and what are you talking about? You're talking about ISIS. You're talking about, you know, mothers, uh, terra firma, right? The life, the life force, which is in that phase, it's maternal. You can't get it. Where is it going? Well, apparently it's going to the border. That's what they're telling us. So it's a Robin Hood moment, right? It's a Robin Hood moment. We're going to take from, oh, the middle class, the upper middle class, the people who use the formula, uh, you know, in our household, we didn't use the formula. And I was not a formula kid. And my kid was not a formula kid. But there are some people that will will do it. I'm not here to bag on them or, or judge them, right? But what are they doing? They're sending it to the border because they want to make sure their border babies get the formula. And it's also a big fuck you, right? That's what's happening. When they send, when they send it off to the border, it's a big fuck you. They know, they're just telling you, see, we're taking the things that you normally get that you have taken for granted all these years, you just go down to your store. And there's some truth to this, by the way. In some ways, they're kind of teaching us a bit of a lesson. I mean, if you want to look at this from a more expansive place in a more uh, benevolent point of view, right, philosophically, this is a lesson. And people should be looking at this as a wake-up call. And when you have somebody like Jenna on who talks about biochar, here you go. Here's a solution, right? No fertilizer. Go burn some wood. Get it to a point where you you got this thing down and you unhook yourself from the system. Keep unhooking yourself from the system and realizing that there are things to be grateful for and uh, and being able to invest in them. How are you? I'm here. Uh, I'm hemping along. I've got some uh, products just show and tell so okay. people can actually see what they look like. Like okay. Right away. This is the stock of the hemp plant. Okay. Before we go there, w- w- before we go there, we're going to okay. get personal. I know who you are. Okay. They don't. But not, but not everybody knows who you okay. are. Okay. All right. So, so I have I have known Linda since 1994. I remember the first day that I met Linda, and it was at a birthday party of the son of a mutual friend, who's now grown up quite a bit. And is uh, carrying water for the Antichrist. No, that's just a joke. Um, Linda knows what I'm talking about. Um, and that's when I first met Linda. And I thought to myself, I like this person. This is an interesting person. And at that time, you were going through a big life change. And you were leaving your husband, Phil Fisher, whom I've talked about on the show before. 
who was an amazing inventor in mind. And we talked about uh, his maglev monorail and then the hemp piece with Phil and what he was working on. Right. So I've talked about Phil and you, you and Phil were separating and going different ways. And that's when I met you and I've seen you go through a lot of changes, but the hemp piece is the thing that I think you've been a part of the longest, like since I've known you and you went through being certified for Iclay and you know, all the sustainable stuff and like your story is really interesting. Because when I met you, I'm just going to say that you were kind of floundering. Like you, you'd spent all this time with Phil and dedicated your life to Phil and watching you kind of re-enter the world. And at an age where, let's be honest, a lot of people aren't really re-entering the world at that, you know, at that phase of their life. And you're like, okay, I'm in. And you've kept, you've kept moving and growing and evolving through a number of these different incarnations, design, sustainable development, right? They're all kind of related. And eventually you came into the hemp world and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing it, right? You have a website. Um, you were really connected to John Trudell, who I hope we'll be able to talk about a little bit. And um, you're, you know, you are engaged in a work, a practice, a passion. And did I leave anything out? Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. Did I did I embarrass you at all a little, a little bit there? No. Not okay. at all. All right. Let's 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 talk about how you because I kind of laid the the tracks there a little bit. First of all, let's talk about your website because I can put your website up here and people can have a look at it. That's number one. But number two, how you came into understanding how important hemp is, and 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 where you are with that now. So what, what's your website again, Linda? It's hempanista.com. It's okay. H-E-M-P-A-N-I-S-T-A.com. Hempanista.com. All right, we're going to bring it up here. I was going to spell it hempanista, like hempen along, but it's P-E-N-I-S, and I kept getting rejected. So I had to change the A-E to an A, hempanista, not hempanista. So the E is an A, hempa, hempa, hempa. I got it. All right. Okay. So while I'm while I'm dialing this up, let's talk about how you discovered hemp and how it changed your life. Let's let's start there. Well, I was at the Green Festival. I've been involved in green building for a number of years. Uh, sustainable. Uh, meaning that we don't use more than we can uh, move forward to future generations. And so I was at a, a lecture there, and this was the in 2012 in San Francisco, and I heard Winona LaDuke speak. Now, Winona LaDuke had run for vice president uh, along with um, Ralph Nader uh, as president on the, uh, the Green Party, a number of years ago, and I, you know, they were both just so completely honest and clear. Winona is a member of the Anishinaabe tribe in northern Minnesota, and uh, she was speaking. And the last few things she said was, she asked about. Uh, she said, "Well, you know what uh, 
colonial, what colonizing means, you know, to be uh, colonizing. And you know that the word colon is the word colon. And the job of the colon is to digest and eliminate. And of course, you know, being a tribal member, that's exactly what the Europeans did to the tribes of America, you know, digested and eliminated them. So I was like really blown away by that, that description of what colonize means, because I'm originally from Rhode Island, we're the 13th colony. So it really struck me. And I walked away and I saw a hemp booth and I'd not known of hemp. I'm certainly very familiar with cannabis, but I didn't know about hemp. So I, I um, went to the booth and I saw books and from like the 1800s on hemp paper and fabrics. And I was really amazed. And there was like a pin or something like, I like hemp, something like that. And I put it on and I came out of the, the booth and I see John Trudell standing there. Now, John Trudell uh, died in 2015, but uh, at the age of 69. And so, but I had seen him perform three times, John Trudell and Bad Dog, spoken word music. He had a great band behind him, Bad Dog. And the reason they called themselves Bad Dogs, because those are the dogs that bite the hands that feed them. And so they were not asking for handouts for anybody. So, and John was a brilliant poet. And I knew his story because I also saw his, had seen his, uh, his documentary, Trudell. And back in the day, he was a Navy vet and he was protesting all the treaties of ever made with the tribes. Every single treaty had been broken. And so he was on the steps of the FBI and he was uh, with other tribal members and they burnt the flag and they, co they uh, recited uh, article, blah, 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 code six, section that, that says that when the flag has been defiled, it needs to be burned. And so they burnt it as, and some of them were veterans and they burnt the flag. Well, 12 hours later, on uh, the Duck Valley Reservation in Nevada, his pregnant wife, who was also a, a tribal member, uh, and uh, Paiute, and uh, their house burnt down. And she, and she was pregnant, and her three children and her mother all burned and died in this fire. And uh, that was definitely a message to not speak out uh, anymore. And it was at the time too when, you know, the FBI was really in charge of the Black Panther takedown and et cetera, et cetera. So John pretty much went underground for a few years just to recover. And then uh, through um, Chris Christopherson and other musicians, um, Jesse, Ed, Jesse Ed Davis was the guy. Yeah, Jesse who, Ed Davis. Who was playing guitar with the early Trudell recordings, the spoken yeah. word stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, John Trudell, through you, had been on my show a couple times. Yeah. And, and um, I always liked uh, 
I always like talking with John. Yeah. Was, and, you know, and I talked with him and, you know, in passing on a number of occasions. And, you know, we're not going to get into the Grammy details, but we did see John Trudell together, right, in uh, San Gregorio one weekend. Where, where, where Linda delivered the hammer of God. But we're going to skip that for the skip that story. That's for the memoirs. Um, but John was instrumental. He was the guy that switched you on to hemp. And you had a pretty connected relationship with John almost all the way up through his passing, although there was a brief period of time there where he was not as much uh, being in your life at, at a certain point. But up until then, you guys were pretty tight. And would you say that he lit the wick for you in terms of the hemp thing? Oh, absolutely. He always yeah. said that cannabis was medicine for the people and hemp was medicine for the earth. Mm -hmm. And and we we totally locked in with that. And you know, I had been waning a little bit in the green building world, and then I got invited to become a board member of the U.S. Green Building Council Redwood Empire Chapter, which goes from north of the Golden Gate Bridge up actually to the Oregon state line. And I wasn't going to do it because I was so involved with hemp. And, John, and I asked John, and he said, are you kidding? You have to do this. You know, it's extremely important. You've got to. You've got to get hemp into, into the architects, into the builders, the contractors, the homeowners. Everybody needs to know about hemp. So um, and I did, and I'm still a board member, and uh, we do events, and we've been part of hemp construction here in the North Bay, Marin County, Sonoma County, Mendocino County. Right, right. So I think hemp is amazing, and I've always, you know, just been a member of the choir here, uh, singing the praises of hemp, and if we really got into hemp, we can solve a lot of problems, right? If we really, really dove into this thing. And there's been a real sea change with hemp because for quite a while, it was like hands off, you know, we don't want any part of it. But then uh, Rand Paul and Mitch, Mitch McConnell got involved because they knew that the tobacco thing was going to go sideways. So they needed a replacement crop and replacement industry. And hemp comes in. And then what happens with hemp is all of a sudden CBD becomes sort of the main byproduct of hemp and not really the things that we're talking about today. And do you see if there's going to be a bit of a sea change here at some point where the products that we're looking at here, like um, uh, the insulation, the rebar, the concrete, do you see that part of the production of hemp beginning to get some momentum and taking off? Yeah, I do. I do. Well, you know, cannabis is still a Schedule One narcotic, um, oddly enough. It's still there. Uh, hemp no longer is. It's, right. it's considered an agricultural crop, like potatoes or radishes. And so, um, not it, so it's still a freaking felony, you know, cannabis by federally. And they're really keeping a tight grip on that, probably because of the prison system and all the rest of this stuff there invested in to keep uh, certain, you know, it's mostly psychedelics that are in the schedule one uh, realm. So anyway, no, back no, short, no shortage of fentanyl, but uh, no, no, that's not a schedule one. Yeah. Isn't that so, interesting? So, and neither is cocaine that's schedule four because it's used so much in dentistry. So Linda, Linda you know too much about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. So, 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 you, you started this company 
And John Trudell was really the guy that, that inspired you to do it. Yes. And, and you've been working pretty diligently at this. You had a bit of a setback with your hip. I know this because you and I are friends, but you're, you're back up and running again. Right. And there's some interesting developments that are happening with, with, with your business, this website and this new kind of iteration of what you're doing. Right. Well, when John and I first got together, uh, he had a website that, uh, and he had a, a, a nonprofit organization that he actually started with Willie Nelson. And Willie Nelson couldn't really participate because he was doing farm aid. And so because hemp was still illegal, uh, Willie couldn't really lend himself to any promotion, et cetera. So, um, uh, so and the, the web, the organization was called Hempstead Project Heart. And the heart stands for Hemp Energies Alternative Resource Technologies. And the whole idea was to get the tribes able to grow this crop, to feed them, house them, clothe them, medicate them. And so that was my focus for six years to do that, really working with that. And when John crossed over in the end of 2015, it had to go back to the tribes. I'm indigenous to the planet, European, but I'm not indigenous to this continent. So it went to the Menominee tribe in Wisconsin. And, uh, and they're, they're taking care of it. They're, they're growing it, et cetera. And Winona LaDuke is growing it too. Winona's got her own hemp uh, 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 grow and uh, products. So because hemp uh, is like cannabis, hemp, hemp uh, for CBD, it's grown like cannabis because you're really growing it for the flowers. Whereas when you're growing it for uh, um, industrial hemp, then you're talking about stalks that grow 20 feet tall and, and you're looking at the stalk itself. Right. And so what you do when you have a stalk like this, and this hemp stalk isn't a whole lot bigger than this, but it's really, really hard. You can't just like, it looks like I should just break it. It's just no way. And so you see here, if you can see that, these are the fibers of the hemp. And these fibers are removed from the plant and you can get everything from the, the ropes like this, which were the ropes and sails of the world. And you can get it as fine as this. Wow. Look at that. Ralph, Ralph Lauren, uh, high and beautiful, fine. And so, and this is all true for hemp. I'm right now, here is a, if you can see this, this is a hemp pen, and this is made from hemp flooring. There's a company, a hemp flooring company in Kentucky, and that which falls to the floor gets swept up and ground up, and it was purchased by very high-end pen companies. And it's so durable and so lightweight. So just to show you that it's possible. And then here is a, a hemp briefcase. Look at that. I've had this briefcase for years. It's made from a British luggage company and Mercedes Benz and, and, and uh, 
a really, really high quality European car manufacturers have been using hemp in, hemp in their dashboards and their door panels and all kinds of car parts and calling it for years a biofiber for the American market because we are so caught up with hemp being like, oh, it's you know, smoking dope. So the stigma anyway, that the stigma that is going away. Eventually, it's going away, you know, but still, a lot of people don't have a clue as to what hemp can do. Well, so, that 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 is true because when you really drill down into all the the uses for hemp, it's it's absolutely mind blowing. Right. So you see this? Yeah. This is actually hemp creep. This is what your hemp wall would look like. You see how small these pieces are? Now, this is all from the woody inner core of the bar of the stock. You're not you have to take the fibers off. You, they they gum up the machinery. And do, do you have to do that manually, or is there more of oh, a no, the, you know, automated those, those process? For that? No, it's all processed. Absolutely, okay. nobody yeah. does that anymore like that. No. Right, right. Okay. And yeah. so, that's, but why, that's why you're here, Linda. Let <laughs> us straight. Yeah. Well, the rest of the world is kind of ahead of us, particularly Way ahead of us. the Germans and the Dutch and the French and everybody else. Even so the Canadians have gotten into hemp, right? The hemp, they never stopped growing hemp. Yeah, so when yeah, you're right. buying hemp uh, seeds, like for, for eating in, in Costco or any of your Whole Foods, wherever, everybody's eating hemp seeds now. They're tiny and they're very nutritious, high in omegas, three, sixes, and nines. And people are eating them and sprinkling, sprinkling them on their yogurt or putting them on their, you know, avocado sandwiches or whatever. And uh, the, it's from Canada. We, right. we don't have enough hemp growing. We're only legal since the end of 2018. Donald Trump was in office. And, you know, Mitch McConnell really pressured, you know, financially and, you know, a way to go the way to go to get hemp legal. So that what, was what, one of the few good things he's done in his political well, career. You um, know, he hasn't been, Donald Trump was terrible on the environment. I'm, talking about, I'm talking about Mitch McConnell. No, well, not, both of them, you know, right, I yeah. mean, seriously, both of them. And I'm a hundred percent to protecting earth because we depend on everything on earth to, for our survival and our thrival. So let's yeah. get back down to basics here. Hemp you see, see, it seems like we went from like one extreme with Trump, which was, okay, let's, you know, let's open the floodgates. Let's, let's do a bunch of leases. And then we just went to the polar opposite with, with Biden, which is let's shut everything down. Right. Let's take us back to the stone age and jerk reaction and eat, eat bugs and, yeah. and go buy Tesla. Right? right. So there's no real middle ground between this, you know, just full on free market capitalism and this yep. top down world economic technological fascism. Right. This, this is like, come on. Yep. We need, we need some space in between here. That's so right. That, so that we can develop and innovate and have something that's usable and, and, and I'll use it the, the old version of this, not the new version, but really truly sustainable, you know, not UN bullshit sustainable, but really sustain, like the biochar stuff, really sustainable. Yeah. And who knows, who knows how biochar will be uh, uh, sanctioned if we go down the World Economic Forum Agenda 2030 world. Like, no, nope, sorry, you're not burning. We're in charge of all this stuff, right? We're, you know, we, we, will, we will orchestrate 
carbon usage on this planet. Thank you very much. So I don't want to get off too much of a tangent there, but it's one of the, one of the things that I'm really kind of passionate about is letting people innovate and develop, right? So put that brick up there again. Let's see that hemp creek brick again. Now, are there people actually building structures with this now? Oh, heck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, for sure. What, now, what is, so what is the cost to, because a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, it, the, it, really the benefits are great, especially long-term, but what is the cost now to get into like creating a hempcrete brick and, and then creating a structure? Is it cost prohibitive or where are, where are we with the labor and, and everything that's needed to, to, to put that brick together? Well, uh, you know, there are, it, it varies where you are, you know, it, Canada never stopped. Okay. So they're a big grower of, of hemp. Right. And, uh, and then there are some states that are really getting behind it and they're starting to grow hemp too. Um, most of the fabric, like that beautiful fabric, all those the, that I showed you, right. China never, ever stopped growing hemp. Right. They were not part of World War II. Japan was a big grower too. But when we took over Japan, we had the Japanese stop growing it. And we only allowed the emperor's garden to grow hemp because that's what they make those beautiful kimonos out of. So when you're in a Japanese restaurant, you know, you see those kimonos behind yeah. glass, the yeah. majority of them are hemp and silk. Wow. Beautiful. Because the hemp fibers are so long. Right. So um, in terms of cost, I want to show you this, too, because it's all blended together. Okay. This here is hemp insulation. Oh, wow. Right here. So and this is uh, once again, it's Canada. There's a company in Idaho that's building a factory mm -hmm. for it. Um, Mexico is now legalized hemp. So Mexico will start growing it again as well. And so in terms of the uh, the building with hemp. Um, so how it works out is most often, and it's, I would say, all the time, when you're building a house or you're adding an addition to the house, the contractor may not even know how to build with hemp. So the contractor will hire someone who does, a, a person who knows how to train other people in growing hemp. And those people pay they pay to be part of this workshop and then they get certified to build with hemp. So it becomes very community-based. So, so where you will save some money on the hemp because you're not having to pay labor because the labor is paying for itself. Interesting, that's very cool. And then the contractor learns how to do it too. Mm -hmm. And so hemp is an infill, it is, it, you have to have structure. It's not structural. So you need to have post and beam. Now, it, wouldn't it be great if we had enough bamboo in this country that could be post and beam? Right. Um, but unfortunately, the way the United States is, um, it, we need, it needs to be mountainous and it needs to be humid. So like the Carolinas are a pretty good place, for, but that's about one of the only places for bamboo that grows in the, you know, in the stock that's like big. Right. Um, right. But anyhow, there's steel and there's different uh, people are building round 
as well. Mm -hmm. They're building so that they're reducing the, there's so much innovation because there are so many people who really want to protect our forests and are not interested in destroying a forest to build a you know, community, a house. Nobody, that's the opposition of community, you know, to commune and destroy a forest at the same time. And you don't want to geoengineer trees either because then there are no bugs, no birds, no life. It's right. just these monster bees, the trees. Right. So it's a way of introducing a new way to be. And there are a lot of, uh, and I'm gonna say a lot of people who are really looking at community now and how to build and live in community without costing the earth. So it's this kind of conversation that we're having that gives people enough curiosity to look these things up on their own and because there's so much on the internet about it and find people near you or contact me go contact me through my website linda at hempanista.com and i'll hook you up you know right. because right. i've known i've been in this business for since 2012 and so um and because i worked in a a, a, a nonprofit especially tribal nonprofit, it really helped me to get a reputation as somebody who wasn't in it so much for the money. I was in it for the same reason that I would hope that anybody who's into organics would be. You want, you stand for an environmentally sustainable, spiritually fulfilling, and socially just presence on this planet. So what state or states are, would you say would be at the forefront of what's happening with hemp in, in the United States? I would say that uh, Colorado, um, Texas, in a way, there's a lot of Texas hemp people. Uh, yes. Kansas, Nebraska, mm -hmm. you know, the central states like that. California is a cannabis loving state. You know, the green mafia is here. I mean, mm. it's just the way it is. They're not too happy about hemp because hemp has male and female properties. And if you're on the wrong side, that cross-pollination would uh, cause your <laughs> your blue dream become like blue what? <laughs> could you, you know? could you even say male and female properties? When it, could would you just call hemp a stalking person or something like that? Oh, well, you know, it's got male plants. What do you do? They pollinate the girls and then they die. And then you, and it's only a very short period of time that the boys are ready to rock and roll. Right, right. So what about what about conditions? It seems like you're talking about states with very different conditions. Here in Texas, it's yeah. it's humid in some areas. That's Other fine. areas, it's dry. That's Colorado, fine. you've got the Rocky Mountains. Kansas is pretty fine. low. Right. Yep. So it seems like it could grow pretty much anywhere, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yep. It's not an issue. We've been growing hemp for thousands of years, thousands of years. I have this, this American flag here. I can only show you, of course, a little bit of it, but this is what our first American flag looked like. It was woven out of hemp. Love it, it's great, this it's hemp, awesome. This hemp was uh, grown and raised, uh, was gr grown in Nepal and woven in Nepal. I mean, that's serious high mountains. Right. You know? So what about water? I've heard that hemp is really water intensive. No, not at all. It, really? it takes 20% less water than cotton. 20%. Wow. That's a lot. So it can manage. 
very right. well. And I was at a hemp grow in uh, the middle of California in a little town called Lemoore. I mean, it's here, this is dry country, right? That's where, that's where Steve Perry's from. Okay, well, it's Central California. And I, this hemp grow, it, the plants grew to be 28 feet tall. And wow. they won the Guinness World Book of Records on the tallest hemp plants in the world. And the growers, who are all, they're all friends of mine, the growers, and right. they were very careful not to overwater. Mm. Not to, you know, to just keep it at a real low key, right. just to prove that hemp is not a cactus. It needs water, but it doesn't mean what you get from what, what your crop can deliver you right. with. The yield. The yield is off the charts. You can, you can, you know, do just about everything I've told you about and more. Batteries, you know, could be made from from hemp. I remember the first conference I attended where this guy from Harvard and they, they have these universities have departments that are focused on what plants can deliver. Right. And when I heard him say this, I'm like, I'm looking around like I couldn't relate to everybody's head still not being on their shoulders. Like <laughs> he was saying you could make batteries from hemp. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, when you really drill down, and I've done it before, and you look at all the products that you can create with hemp, it's it's absolutely mind-blowing. It, yes, I mean, it is. It, it, it really is the magic plant, right? We, we can get um, CBD from it. And it. You know, it can help us with our inflammation and arthritis and our sleep. And then, you know, we can make a battery from it. You can make a suitcase out of it. Henry Ford did a entire hemp car, which a lot of people know about. Um, you might even be able to like derive hemp fuel. I mean, that's all part of the part of the mix. Biofuel, right? So, so I've always thought like, this is it. Like hemp is the thing that could flip everything, right? You turn hemp loose, you get people that innovate, make products, right? Circulate that money back into the system or however you transfer whatever they're doing. And man, we could really start doing something interesting here, like really interesting. And, um, and it's, I'm, I'm really happy that you stayed in the game with this too. I mean, cause you've, yeah. you've dealt with, you've dealt with some challenges. Oh yeah. However, you know, I look at history, you know, hemp was used in the pyramids and, you know, and, and what, how much it's gone through over the thousands of years and even with the revolution in this country, so many people refer to the Tea Party as the one that broke the English back. Well, that's not that wasn't alone. You know, King George, he made the the colonists grow, the colonists grow hemp, and we were paying our taxes with hemp. And then they eventually the colonists are going, you know, last time I checked, I wasn't English. You know, I'm American now. And so when the British ships would come in from England and, you know, and land wherever they did in Virginia or Massachusetts, whatever, right. they changed their sails out and their ropes. And so they needed hemp to be able to do that with, or right. they'd go down to, you know, Jamaica and rest of the islands that they'd taken over and they'd come back and they need to have the hemp harvest ready for them to be able to put, you know, reweave their sails and their ropes, et cetera. And one time they did that and the colonists said, forget this. And they, um, they took over the warehouses. 
and when the English came back, there was nowhere to go, no nothing to change their their sails and ropes with, and that was one of the beginnings of the end of the English colonization of America. But nobody that's knows a, that story. That's a good. Very story. few people. That's a good story, and your story is a good story too, because you uh, have really persisted with your life uh, amidst some, you know, some, some, a few roadblocks here and there. And oh, I yes. know, And I know your story. And the thing I love about your story is that you're in the game, right? You, you're in the game. You found something that you're passionate about. Um, you know, it's your, it's your work. It's your dharma. And it's a good one, right? It's a good one, you know. And, um, you know, I'm really happy that you're doing it. And, and uh, I'm here to support you in any way that I can. Um, do you do like uh, presentations and education? With oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. if people want to get in touch with you, like they, this is like a little sliver of what you can talk about, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay. No, I, I have. I've talked to architects and interior designers and it's, and more people, you know, anybody in the food industry who, who just just to eat it. My goodness, those hemp seeds are so nutritious. Very nutritious. Um, is there anything else you want to share with anybody today, Linda? Well, well we still have a few minutes left. Um, what about see. these young guys that are working with you now? Remember, what about these young guys? That the, the, weren't they connected to John at some point? Or is it like a new infusion of energy here or something? Yeah, so I, I have... Uh, <laughs> goodness, let me plug this in. Can you hear me better now? I can hear you great. Okay. So um, my guys are not necessarily young. One of them has been a venture capitalist for 40 years, and he's a nuclear engineering um, PhD. Oh, and cool. he absolutely loves hemp. He just sees hemp as like, uh, come on, what are we doing? I know exactly. all about nuclear and I'm telling you straight up, hemp can do what this earth needs it to do. I agree. And, and, and so he's all over it. And, and, uh, and then he brought in a friend of his who's a chemical engineer. And then the third person is the former cannabis person. He owned a, a dispensary for 10 years. And, and, and manufacturing uh, cannabis uh, and pills, lotions, you know, solves, all of that stuff. And he just decided he wanted to go over to the hemp side. He didn't want to do cannabis anymore. It's pretty mm -hmm. saturated on the cannabis side. It's also and, hard now because in California, yeah. you, you, the, the, the cannabis mafia, not just the green mafia, it's the cannabis mafia. Well, that's what I mean when oh, I that's say that's what you mean by that? Mafia. Oh, yeah. No, okay. Okay. Because there is the green mafia too. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I get that. But right. they're all yeah. part of it. No, but cannabis stands alone, it just primarily because it's it's so California so famous for California cannabis. I, I, I've known, I knew a couple of growers in California. And once everything became legal, it took them right out of business. It was like, well, your days are over, buddy. You know, but it's even more than that. Like I used to live, Phil and I, we used to live way up high in T Humboldt, Trinity County. I mean, mm -hmm. that's like really isolated up there. And I met an architect at an event I was doing and I overheard him saying, uh, give, giving a town of where he lived. And I said, oh my God, I lived there years ago. And he said, oh, it's really changed now because this was like the primo California cannabis. And he said, it's totally different. You've, uh, you know, you've got 
like real, um, you know, mafia there. And I, and like what mafia? And he said like Romania, you know, Eastern Europe, you know, it's not just like, you know, the cartels from Mexico. He said, no way, you know, everybody's jumped in the can and they're like, you know, they'll, and the police said, we're not going to protect you. It's way too mountainous. We're not, we don't have the, the manpower, the weapons to protect you because these guys are serious. So it's another world. Cannabis wow. is, in, is entered another world. Everybody's yeah. getting in on it. So I'm very happy hemp doesn't have the THC content right. that hemp, that, and that's another issue with hemp because if you grow your hemp and it grows, it, it comes in higher than three tenths of a percent, which is like you can't even get a mouse high on three tenths of a percent. But if it comes in hot, you have to pay to tear that out and then you have to pay to put it into a toxic waste dump. Wow. Is that messed up or what? Yeah, so, it's uh, it's it's the illogic, right? Of, of the West. I mean, the East has their own illogic. Well, but, it's it, but, but the, the point, illogic yeah, of the West in America. Sure. This is in America because that's a federal law. So yeah. we're trying to get it up at least one percent, for heaven's sake. Well, it seems like an incredible waste of the product. That's ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, well, okay. So was there anything else you wanted to say? Because I kind of jumped in there. And, and no, I welcome your, it's not an intrusion at all. It's a part of a conversation. Right. This is how we get things done. You know, you say what you think and I can answer or I can punt it or whatever. You By know? the way, if anybody who's interested, uh, this beautiful woman is single. This lady. You, know. <laughs> you never know, Linda. <laughs> you never know. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> not that you're really looking because you're very passionate about what you're doing and you have a focus right but you never know I, i'm just passionate about being alive and uh you know i i've always been multi-dimensional about what that looks like so i'm not ageist right you know it's just as long as we're <laughs> like recognizing that, you know, one heartbeat at a time, one breath at a time. Can I, can I tell people I've seen your naked body? Why not? So Linda and I used to do these saunas together in Berkeley. Oh, those that's, were that, fun. That's how, I, that's how I've seen your naked body. Those were great. No, nothing beyond the, the, the sauna. Those were great, right? Absolutely. I love that. That was the best sauna ever. And you're never going to find another sauna like that. It's in Albany. And I think it's still there. I think it's, I think they're still open. I've wondered that because I'm in Albany occasionally. You know, what's really interesting is that um, when Griffin and I saw you the last time we were there in Point Richmond and we went to go buy that RX-7, the guy that we bought it from used to work at the Albany sauna. Uh, where was he located? He, so that was in San Leandro where we uh, right. bought okay. the RX-7. Yeah. But he had worked. He had worked at that sauna. So he told me uh -huh. all about the sauna and who built it. And I got I got the lowdown on that That's sauna. That's great. I know. I love these synchronicities. Yeah. Well, Linda, this has been awesome. I've been, you know, been wanting to have you on. We, we, we tried to fire it up last week, but it didn't really work. And here we are on Friday the 13th. And here you are. This works better for me than it would have last Friday. Yep. And uh, yeah. So, so 
I'm going to leave your, uh, your uh, URL for the website in the Great. show notes. Yeah. So if, if anybody's interested in connecting with you and having you do some education and consulting around hemp, you know where they know where to find you. Yeah, great. And uh, hemp, hemp, hooray. Hemp, hemp, hooray. I love that. All right, Linda, I'm going to kick you out of here. Uh, I love you and um, have yourself a great weekend. And I'll, I'll connect with you sometime after the show today, okay? Okay, sounds good. Okay, bye. All right, bye. All right, there we go. We're pulling her into the station. So I want to thank uh, Masaki, who uh, let us off today and gave us the lowdown of the crypto hell. He's, he's such a freaking crypto warrior. And he was spot on. He was totally spot on with the peak and the dive. Like, nailed it. You go back. I, I should have I queued up that show. Maybe I'll do it on Monday. Because we'll still be talking about this on Monday. It's not going to go away. So I want to thank Misaki. I want to thank Jenna, a.k.a. A Squirrel, for talking to us about biochar and uh, the, the benefits of biochar and the opportunities around biochar. And then my dear friend, Linda, um, who has really put her flag in the ground in the hemp world. And I do believe hemp is really important. And if we just embraced it and made it more of a part of our ecosystem and our economy, it would change the world. I'm telling you, it would change the world. We'd have jobs, we'd have innovation, We'd have, we'd have distribution, we'd have all kinds of stuff. And slowly but surely, we're, we're getting there, but we're up against the clock. And that clock is ticking. And they, they moved the, uh, the, the Agenda 2030 doomsday clock up a bit. But I think, that, I think that's going to fuck up their operation. That's my two cents. So do what you can, right? Do what you can. There, on this day today, Friday the 13th, there, there's a couple options out there for you. You got your biochar, you got hemp, look into it. Maybe it's a fit. Maybe you can figure out how you can integrate it into your life, whether it's gardening, business. It's all there. All right. Positive note for today's show. I'm going to send you off into the weekend. And this uh, very intense lunar eclipse that's coming. There's a, there's a Trump rally in Austin on Saturday on an eclipse. All eyes on Austin. Who knows? Maybe I'll bring you some, uh, some exclusive footage from that event. All right. From here in the Hill Country, I'm Robert Phoenix. Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart to sip and what's possible. Again, thank you, Misaki, Jenna, and Linda.